I like that. <laughs> Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You know, if we're happy, we need to let our face know it. <laughs> so, you know, and I got the joy of the Lord in my heart. <laughs> so, <laughs> let your face know it, you know. And um, how should we feel whenever all of our sins have been forgiven? Our name is written in God's book of life. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You know, that salvation in Christ, it just goes on and on for an eternity as we keep our heart right with him. Uh, a few of announcements. Uh, we want to remember Wednesday evening is our study on the book of Revelation. Saturday morning at 9.30, the ladies have a Bible study in the lower auditorium. <laughs> and, uh, of course, Sunday school, uh, 9.45 in church at 10.45 on Sunday. Also, I uh, mentioned our offering plates are around the sanctuary, and if you have an offering that you would like to send, mail it to Winber Assembly, Box 361, Winber, PA, 15963, Winber Assembly, Box 361. Well, in case you don't know it, the election's coming. <laughs> Amen. It'll soon be over in about a month. <laughs> So, anyhow, I'll tell you who to vote for. No, I won't. Um, but make sure you vote. Um, just pray and let God direct you. And, um, you know, it's, well, just pray that God's will be done and accomplished and that uh, you do, we each do our part to make sure that uh, God's kingdom continues to thrive. So, today... Uh, the message that, I've, that I'm presenting is one that this particular text, I don't believe I've ever spoken on. <laughs> Imagine that. Must be very obscure <laughs> for a pastor to never have spoken on that in 80 years. <laughs> so, so... Anyhow, the title of the message is, I have a story. I have a story. Now, each one of us has a story, okay? But um, we have a story about our life. <laughs> Problem is, most of us, or I think many of us, I don't know, but speaking for myself, I don't think it's too interesting. It'd be a good novel to read when you want to go to sleep, <laughs> You know, um, all of the wonderful, exciting things that have happened to me in my life. Okay, uh, let's remember. Can I remember what exciting has happened in my life? I mean, you know, I have some events, you know, that were, you know, wrapped up in a power takeoff shaft and a tractor, you know, things like that. <laughs> Being trampled in a stall with cows and they stepped all over you and kicked you and stuff like that. I mean, just normal things that would go on, you know, um, but nothing really earth-shattering. Uh, you know, those are events that took place, and you would, you know, if you lived on a farm, <laughs> you, you probably had some of those experiences, and I always remember my one friend, um, this was before, I was probably five or six, we were playing hide-and-seek, and, seek, and uh, a barn always has a place where you throw hay down to the cows below, well, he was going to hide behind the burlap sacks that went, you know, you open it up and he crawled back in there, but there was no floor in there because it went down <laughs> to the, 
below, and he fell that distance and landed on the concrete. And I don't know if he's normal or not. I haven't seen him in 60 years, so. <laughs> but I always remember that event of the family come, picking him up and carrying him into the house. And, you know, just normal family farm things. So, but I was thinking, well, you know, I went to church before I was even born. That's how holy I am. <laughs> I went in my mother's womb, you know. And I don't think, uh, you know, when, when I went to college, you know, at age 17, I don't think I'd ever really missed Sunday unless I was sick. And some, we, we, at some point, we went Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. You try doing that with a farm, milking cows in the morning and night and the whole work. So we did that and then went to college. And even in college, I went to church. <laughs> And then, of course, when I went to seminary, went to church seven times a week. Then I went to the ministry. <laughs> and I've been preaching three, four times a week since then. I'm really exciting. <laughs> but you see, it's not about um, the excitement that we feel. Okay, I, I, back in the 60s and 70s, um, I know none of you remember that. But anyhow, <laughs> that was the, when the drug culture was, drugs and things were really, you know, uh, coming on the scene. And, the, you know, the, the, um, the great testimonies were people who had been uh, addicted to drugs and been healed and restored and their addictions were gone and, you know, teen challenge and ministries like that that were w witnessing. And there was, you know, great healings of people that, they had, some of them had no uh, withdrawal, none of that, and they were just healed of their, of their addictions, and they would talk about how that God had restored them and so on, and I would sit in church and say, that never happened to me. <laughs> Maybe I should go out and be bad, you know? And, but you see, it's not about God. I, was, I wrote this down because um, it's a greater story that God has kept us from things. And that even when we did not want to be kept from things, he did it anyhow. <laughs> because there was always a temptation, you know, college is college, <laughs> you know, and not seminary. I mean, we were, college was college, you know. And so all my friends, they were party people. And they would always want me to go with them. He said, you can come, to the, you can come with us, just drink soda. And I said, nah, that's all right. They'd have keggers and all that kind of stuff. And pastor knows what a kegger is? <laughs> if you need to know what it is, let me know. I'll tell you later. But anyhow, we all have a story. But God can keep us in our stories. Now, what we're reading here is in jo for Joseph. Now, I know I've spoken on Joseph. And, uh, but this is in, in uh, Genesis chapter 50, 50, verse 15. Now, Joseph has gone through his being thrown into the, his brothers were jealous, and, and so they threw him into a pit, a well, and they were going to leave him there to die. So these are good brothers. Uh, but they were jealous of him. Joseph had a big dream, and their, his dream, he made a mistake, he told his brothers that someday they were going to bow down to him. Now, sometimes, you know, I, I, I've looked at this, and maybe Joseph is a little arrogant. Maybe Joseph isn't at all. Maybe he's just this humble guy whom his father just loves, and he's just his dad's just bestowing all these great things on him. And so he gives him this coat of many colors. 
And, and his brothers are jealous, and they, when he get, they get him alone. They throw him in the pit. They took his coat, killed a lamb, and said, Hey, Dad, look what happened. Your, your son's gone. A, a lion must have got him. <laughs> well, they sold him as a slave. He goes to Egypt. He's a slave. Now, if there's ever anything worse than being a slave, I don't know, because you have no rights and you have no ability to get out of that position. Once you are a slave, you are a slave. And only very few of them ever got out of that position of being a slave. So Joseph, he gets sold into Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's house prospers. Joseph's a brilliant guy. He's, he's a good guy, but he works his abilities even whenever he's in difficult situations. He always tries to be his best. Well, Joseph's kind of handsome. Potiphar's wife says, I like handsome men. <laughs> And she tries to seduce him, and he runs away, and then she condemns Joseph for trying to seduce her. Well, Potiphar throws him in prison. He goes to prison. Now he's in prison. What are you going to do in prison? He works his way up to the very top, running the whole prison. He interprets dreams, the the butler and the baker. He interprets their dreams, and one goes back to the king, and the other gets killed by the king. So they forgot him until... Pharaoh has a dream. Now, what it, the, the purpose of this is, sometimes we don't understand our story. Sometimes we don't understand the difficulties that we're going through. The challenge is for us to believe the hand of God is directing us, even when we don't see the hand of God. You know, Joseph, he believed that God had a future for him, but he, didn't, he couldn't see God in it. I mean, your brothers are going to throw you in a, in a pit and let you die there. God's in that? Or being sold as a slave or being framed. You finally get to get your feet on the ground and you're, you're looked up to and you're running uh, Potiphar's house. You're one of the you know, best employees this, this, this head guy has. And then you get thrown in prison because of trumped up charges. Somebody's jealous. You know, Anybody, don't have to raise your hand on this, but how many times have you been overlooked or pushed aside or lied about? Um, people have made up stories or taken things out of context. You know, the whole list. See, one of the challenges is in this whole process, I think, can we believe that the obstacles that have come into our life, now, we don't have to, we're not saying God started them or God initiated them, but God gave them permission to happen. And if God has given permission for this to happen, then God has a reason for it. And the challenge for us is that can we see the hand of God in the problems that we face? Can we believe that God somehow, you know, like with Joseph, that God is working towards a better plan, a divine plan? And Joseph being thrown in the well and left there to die, he thinks. And so can in that well, do you think he's saying, well, this is a gift from God? <laughs> huh? No, he's not thinking that. Well, when Potiphar's wife frames him and he gets thrown in prison, this is the hand of God. <laughs> no. Well, we know that Joseph then goes to be king. 
gets his family to come back, come down to, Egypt, down to Egypt, and he saves his family from the drought, and he takes care of his brothers and his family. Then verse, verse 15, after Jacob died, now Jacob is Joseph's father, and the father of his brothers. Now they, they had different mothers. Uh, Jacob had uh, three wives, four wives, I forget, I should have looked it up, but I didn't. But anyhow, so they had bro- he had half-brothers, and, and so they were all there, and those were the guys who threw him, in, threw him in the pit, okay? So after Jacob's brothers, after Jacob died, Joseph's brothers were worried. <laughs> that kind of, <laughs> they were worried. Because they were thinking that Joseph was like them. See, the challenge is for us not to superimpose our perspective and our things over someone else. You know, whenever we're in a comparison mode, we often take our, our value system, our way of looking at things, and superimpose it over someone else, over something else that's going on. And so we interpret things the way that we would do it ourselves, basically. So that's why text messages... Anybody misinterpret a text message? Everybody, anybody ever have a message and misinterpret it? Why? Because they're going to read it through their eyes, not yours. <laughs> That's why you don't send important messages, text. Because you may mean it one way, but they're going to read it another. So what happens here is Joseph's brothers were worried because they see Joseph as responding the way that they would. (laughs) All right, let's go on. They were afraid that Joseph would still be mad at them for what he had done years before, what what they had done years before. They said, maybe Joseph still hates us. (laughs) When did Joseph ever display hatred for his brothers? In all the things that he had done in the preceding verses and the interactions with his family, when did he ever... present this hatred for his brothers. Nowhere. They were the ones who hated Joseph. They were the ones who threw him in the well. They were the ones who were jealous of him. doesn't say anywhere because Joseph, he took care of his brothers. He brought them down, fed them, put his families in the best land, the best, best, best place possible in Egypt. They were well taken care of. Then I like verse 16. <laughs> so the brothers sent this message to Joseph. Now, pay attention. You ready for this? The brothers sent this message to Joseph. Before your father, I didn't say our father, before your father died, he told us to give you a message. <laughs> Doesn't that just kind of ring with, this ain't true. This is not a true thing here. Dad, Jacob here, would not, didn't feel a distance between he and Joseph, and he went to the, other, the, uh, the ten brothers who threw him in a pit. He says, I want you to take this message to, to, to Joseph after I'm dead. He said, verse 17, Jacob, your father, told, he, he's tell, tell Joseph, this is what he wants us to tell you, tell Joseph that I beg him to please forgive his brothers for the bad things they did to him. <laughs> Does that sound like, I mean, didn't you think that's kind of funny? You know, 
Yeah, okay, smile. Let your face know that you're happy and that you enjoyed that. All right. So, so he's, he's saying there that, you know, your dad, didn't say our dad, your dad told us to tell you that you're supposed to forgive us for what we did to you. <laughs> did anybody ever come up and tell you that? Only when, I guess when the shoe's on the other foot, when, you know, they are very much in subjection to Joseph because Joseph's the head of an empire. These guys are just foreigners living there by permission. Joseph is the head of the greatest empire of that world in that time and soldiers and, you know, everything that he needs, he could wipe them out in a moment. But... He doesn't do that. Verse, okay, verse 17, tell Joseph. So now, the second part of that verse. So now, Joseph, we beg you, please forgive us for the bad things we did to you. So our father begs you, and we beg you. And, they, and, and, to, and to summarize this all up, he says, we are the servants of God. The God of your father. <laughs> I always love when people bring God in. You know, you got to do this because God wants it. <laughs> Did anybody ever pull that one on you? <laughs> Pastor, I think God would want you to do this for us. <laughs> it's like, we need, we need money to go to wherever, Pittsburgh, and we got to get there, and we just need cash. What do you need it for? We put gas in our car. I'll take you to the, gar, to the garage and fill your car up with gas. No, no, no. I think God would like you to give us cash. Hello. <laughs> True story. Yeah. You know, I think God would want you to give us cash. I don't think so. So anyhow, but what, what the most important thing here is, the message made Joseph very sad and he cried. Because they hadn't changed one bit. They hadn't changed. They were still the same rowdy bunch that was go would have thrown him in the well all over again. Because they didn't take the opportunity to see that their brother was really living out the plan of God. They couldn't see that what Joseph told them that you guys, which he says a little later here, you guys meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And, and these, they couldn't see it. They hadn't changed a bit. They still would have thrown them, in the, thrown them in the pit all over again if they had a chance. But Joseph, he was sad and he wept. Because... Do you ever try to help people and you, you do things and you give things and you, you know, all this stuff to invest in their lives and you, you over and over again, you just keep pouring it in, pouring it in, and then they come back with, I don't think you've done enough for me. But don't you see? Haven't you changed anything? Didn't you get a different perspective? Did the light ever come on? <laughs> you know, did you ever have an aha moment that it's you who need to look in the mirror and take the reflection of Jesus Christ in and see what's going on in your own life? But see, Joseph, he, he knew this. 
You know, when he was young, he didn't understand it. You know, <laughs> I had this vision of stars and moon, and they bow down to me, and sheaves of grain, and they bow down to me. What does it mean? His brother said, you think we're going to bow down to you? You scrawny little kid. Well, verse 18. His brothers went to him and bowed down in front of him. The very thing that Joseph had dreamed about when he was a, perhaps a teenager, that his brothers and his family, they would all bow down to him. They're now doing it. It's fulfilled. When God gives you a dream, just because it doesn't happen right now doesn't mean it won't happen. And so for, for Joseph, it happened because he went through all of those obstacles and in the obstacles, he never gave up on doing his best. You see, there's a challenge for us to do our best. Always do our best. No matter what it is, we do the best we can with what we got. It's, it's just who we are. It's just what we need to do. We want to do the best with what we've got. And in that process, when things go wrong, it's like, is this the hand of God? Now, if I didn't study for a test and I failed, you know, that's my problem. <laughs> you know, that's my bad. But if I'm doing my best and I'm working for it and I'm trying there and it all falls apart or people lie about us and do things and twist things around and can I believe that this is the hand of God? <laughs> so, so now their father had died. Will Joseph now heed the desires of their father? <laughs> yeah, you see, they see Joseph the way they see themselves. They haven't changed. Verse 19, then Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I'm not God. I have not taken upon myself to punish you for the wrongs you have done. You see, whenever we are to look at people who have done wrong to us, willful and intentional hurt us, right out, smacked down, publicly humiliated, thrown us out, did the garbage, everything, don't get even. You're not God. Allow, turn them over to God. Deal with the pain, ask God for direction, and give them to God. Because God can judge them much better than you can. And God can correct their life much better than you can. So we are to be, so Joseph sees this. You know, centuries, how many centuries ago, before there was the scriptures, before the Bible, before all that was there, he, he sees this, that God, it's not my responsibility to take up vengeance. He says, don't be afraid, I'm not God. I have no right to punish you. <laughs> wow. I have no right to punish you. Well, wait a minute. Who was harmed here? Joseph. What did he do? What did Joseph do wrong? Nothing. He was just being Joseph. You know, it was his brothers who threw him in. Yeah. He has no reason to punish them. Verse 20, I think. Most important, one of the most important verses in the, the scripture. 
it is true that you plan to do something bad to me. Okay, you don't deny the truth. The truth is the truth is the truth, and this is the way it is. Put it out on the table. Joseph said, if you plan to do bad to me, but re really, God was planning something good. You meant it for evil, God turned it around to good. New Testament said, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called in response to God, called according to God's purpose in our life. So therefore, we have the right, we have the privilege to believe that all of the difficulties, though initiated by someone else and through mischievous wrong desires, have initiated something in our life, and we have the right to believe God has a purpose. You meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Because our life is on a divine course, divine scale. <laughs> so you meant it for evil, you meant it for harm, God meant it for good. So we have to ask ourselves, when something bad happens and people have done it to us, people have hurt us, is this really God wanting something good to come out of my life? See, we have to ask ourselves that. Not whether they meant it for evil, but whether God can make good out of it. See, our life is, is that we're living for God. And so God is the one. That, so whenever we are looking and giving thanks to God and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, we are looking at something and being thankful for it because we're anticipating something good coming out of it. We're not going over here, I'm going to get even with you and I'm going to punish you and you're going to, you know, there's, you're going to, you, you know, you're going to pay for what you did. People get caught up in anger and resentment and bitterness and they can't see the good in their life anymore because they're consumed with the brother's guilt. Verse 21. So don't be afraid. Joseph is saying this to his brothers. Don't be afraid. I will care for, I will take care of you and your children. And so Joseph said kind things to his brothers and this made them feel better. <laughs> Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Joseph wasn't making this up as he went. Joseph was speaking from his heart, knowing that God would honor what he had to say. And, and I think for ourselves, <laughs> ourselves, we need to speak what God would have us say from his word. That when we're dealing with difficult places and difficult decisions and difficulties that come our way and it looks like these, they're, they're lies and misinterpreting and everything else comes along, we need to stop and just say, wait a minute, something this catastrophic didn't come from these people. They're too dumb. <laughs> They're too dumb to come up with this. It's the evil thoughts. But God has a plan in this. And God can help me step on these things, not trip over them. And so our, our, our goal is that you have a story. 
that God will connect the dots. I always tell that about Rhonda. She always connects the dots. You know, she'll sit and explain to me, well, you know them because this one's over there, and you met them about four years ago, and they were wearing this sweater, and you were standing over there at that place, and then you know they're related to this person because I had them in fourth grade. And then they married so-and-so, and you met their grandfather at hospice. Sure, I know them. I ain't got a clue. I got, you know, I don't know them from Adam. But she knows exactly who they are, and, they, and she knows how I know them. Yes, she's intelligent. I just don't have that. I had, I, I had a, the privilege of doing a funeral this week. And I, and I said that I didn't, I didn't know the lady. Well, afterwards, I was corrected. <laughs> I was corrected in all the ways that I had met this lady. <laughs> Don't you remember <laughs> that when the boy who was in the front row there was six years old, he was nine years old, <laughs> see? When he was nine years old, you met him whenever his mother died. And so you would have met her. And then whenever somebody else died, you would have met them then. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, you know. I've n I just pull those up right away. <laughs> Connecting the dots. God has all the dots connected. Even if we don't remember them, he connects the dots. God gave Joseph a dream. He gives you and I a dream. He gives to us a purpose for why we are here. And it's greater than just serving ourselves. It's about a higher purpose. It's greater than who we are. It's more than what we could do on our own. And he has a plan. And so when all this stuff goes wrong, start looking for the hand of God. Not how terrible people can be but how good God can be to help us see through this to the other side. So, believe that betrayal is part of the plan. Believe that lies said about you is part of the plan. Believe that the present may feel like a prison, but God has a planned outcome. For Joseph, it was saving many thousands of people because Joseph was able to interpret the dream that fed a nation, that fed his family, and fed the then known world. Joseph knew how to interpret the dreams. And then, because of the Potiphar's house, because of the prison, because of his family, he understood how to deal with people. And so he was the best second-in-command Egypt ever had. And that was Joseph. So in our life, you have a purpose, God has a plan. And when things go wrong, God says, I got this. Remember, in the name of Jesus, is that he himself will handle 
Oh, I can't remember it. That he himself, I have it written down, he himself shall save his people. That's what Jesus, word Jesus means. When we pray in Jesus' name, he himself shall save his people. Joseph saved his people. All these circumstances came about, Joseph saved his people. In all these circumstances come about, we pray in Jesus' name, Jesus himself will save his people. He will save me. He will save you. Amen? Let's stand. Father, we are indeed grateful that we can look at life through your eyes, not through our dim reflection, but we can look at life through the promises that you've given us. And there is hope. There is a future. There is a way through. And God, you are the one who will take us through there. So we ask your blessing, we ask your guidance. We ask, O Lord, that you will help us in all things give thanks because we're looking for your hand. We're looking for your hand, your word, your direction. So thank you, God, for hearing our prayers that you yourself will save us. We thank you. So I ask, Lord, your blessing upon us. I ask your blessing upon each one who is here and those who are listening, our families. God, our nation, as we go into this election, God, I ask your blessing, your peace to be upon hearts and minds. I pray, God, for you, yourself, to save your people, we pray. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you.